Are we limiting ourselves to an incomplete understanding of God's greatness? How much power is available to the church? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Thank you to everyone who is listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to all of those who tune in. Welcome to part two of this series. If you have not listened to the first episode in this series, we encourage you to stop right here and catch up on the wonderful truths that are shared in part one. If you are up to date, join us as Bishop takes us deeper into this discussion of God's exceeding greatness. Let's go to one of my favorite verses of Scripture, and you guys have heard me deal with this over and over and over and over. But this is one of those verses where God just exceeded and showed me something and it's been a blessing to everyone that I've shared it with. And so you guys just bear with me as I sure. tell it again. But Ephesians three twenty, the Bible says now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, now this word exceeding it is significant, but first of all, Let's just look at some of these words in this verse. The word abundantly. When you take that in the literal Greek, abundant is mild compared to what it really says in the original. In the original, it means super abundant. It means beyond measure, extraordinarily. He is able to do exceeding abundantly that is super abundantly his ability is not just abundantly however but it is exceeding abundantly this is what i found interesting is the greek word here where it says that god is able to do exceeding abundantly that word exceeding, the Greek word is a word you all know because it's been carried into the English language. The Greek word is hyper. That's okay. the Greek word. Hmm. So what Paul says is that God is able to do hyper abundantly. <laughs> and the word abundantly actually means super abundantly in the original. So God is able to do hyper, super abundantly. <laughs> super duper abundantly. <laughs> I mean, how many superlatives right. can we add to this as to the power that God is able to do? He can do hyper, super abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Hmm. He's able to do more than or beyond what is extraordinary, beyond what is beyond measure. And, and, and so this is where I've brought this out. This verse, when you look at Ephesians 3.20, because there are so many superlatives here, 
you really don't get the picture until you start at the end and work your way back to the beginning. So let's start there. We're talking about God's ability unto him that is able to do. So Paul's going to describe to the church at Ephesus what God is able to do. Let's take the superlatives out and get towards the end. He says what we ask or think. Okay? So first of all, let's settle this. God is able to do whatever we ask or think. Right. If we can ask it, God's able to do it. You can't pray a prayer too hard for God to answer. Right. You can't. If you can ask it, he's able to do it. In fact, Paul went on to say this. You know, there's times you don't even know how to put it into words. But if you can think it. <laughs> this comes back to the whole, we're the creation, he's the creator. That's we right. can be creative. He's still the creator. If we can think it, it's because the one who gave us the ability to think it has the ability to perform it. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. We can't imagine it except that God is able to do it. Wow. We can't build something so big in our minds that it's too big for God to do. Hmm. So he's able to do whatever we ask or think. So generally, in fact, the first time I taught this, it was in my first pastorate, which I mentioned to our church the other night, uh, two years from now, I'll, I'll be celebrating 40 years as a pastor. So this has been 38 years ago that I was pastoring my first church, right? Old age of 24. This was somewhere in that period of time. I may have been 25 by then, but I doubt it. It was, I'm pretty sure it was in my first few months of pastoring that church that I was teaching in a midweek service on Ephesians 3.20. And I started presenting this to the church. Now, not all of this. I didn't have all this with the Greek and the hyper super abundant, but just taking it at face value and starting with the fact that God's able to do what we ask or think. And I, I stopped and I said, church, here's what I want you to do. Right now, while I'm teaching this lesson, I want you to think of something you need God to do. And in your mind, without me even stopping this lesson, I want you to ask God to do it now. And then I want to tell you, on the basis of the scripture, whatever you just thought, whatever you just asked, God is able to do what you just asked him to do. Now, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. Because as you come on back from the end of that verse, the next thing that the apostle says is that he is able to do above right. all that we ask or think. So whatever it was you just thought of, whatever it was you just asked God to do, God can go a step higher than that. And he uh -huh. can do above what you ask him to do. And I said, church, what would it be if the prayer you just prayed, God answered it, not just based on what you ask, but God went above that. What would be the fulfillment of that prayer if he went above what you ask or thought? 
But that's not the end. Because Paul also said that God is able to do abundantly right. above whatever you can ask or think. So let's kick this thing up another notch. And whatever you just thought of in your mind, whatever you just prayed to God that he would do, what would it be if God not only did that, if he not only went above that, but if God went abundantly above what you ask him to do, mm. what would the answer to the prayer look like? But we're not finished yet. <laughs> Because what the apostle said was that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. My, my. So that just keeps climbing. It keeps exceeding where you started. God's power is not limited to what you ask him. Right. God's got the power to do above that. He's got the power to do abundantly above that. He's got the power to do exceeding abundantly above that. Mm. Or hyper, super abundantly right, right. above whatever you can ask or think. Now, the interesting part of this story, and one of the reasons I love it so much, I was a young pastor. I was 24 years old, my first pastorate. That night after service, we get in the car. We're going to drive into town. It was a small country town. Everything, you know, the sidewalks rolled up at dark or whatever, and, and we'd have to drive a ways to find a town if we we're going to get, even find something to drink after service. And so we got in the car, and we started down the road, and my wife said, well, honey, I want to tell you what I asked God for tonight. And I said, great. You know, I was excited. Somebody was listening to my message tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my wife, thank God. And, and she said, you know, the place we're living in, it's just not good. And she wasn't complaining. She's never complained. It, it didn't matter. Whatever I've said, I felt like God wanted us to do. My wife has been, she, she's been flawless in, if that's what God wants, that's what we're going to do. It's never mattered to her. Never been a complaint. When I took her miles away from family. No problem. Travel to Africa for a seminar. I'll do it. It's never been a problem. So she wasn't complaining. But the fact was, at that time, we had two young children, one of which had just been born six weeks before we took that church. So we're talking about a newborn. The other was three or four years old. I'd have to do the math to figure out. But she was right at three or four. We were living in a borrowed mobile home it was 12 by 52 if you deal with mobile homes you know that they give that size that's not the size of the trailer well it's the size of the trailer it's not the size of the home okay <laughs> when when they say trailer that includes the tongue which is about oh four feet from the end of the wall of that house so when they say 12 by 52, that means it's 12 feet wide. The house itself is 48 feet long. And then there's a four-foot tongue, so you can pull this thing. And now, you know, mobile home's not like an RV. Right. You, it's built to be set up. But this thing had been abandoned for years, busted windows, no heating, no air conditioning. We were in the wintertime, literally ice inside 
the doors and windows. Of course, we fixed the windows. We did what we could, put air conditioners in. We did not have heating. Space heaters were not a good idea in mobile homes, especially in those days. Everything in them was highly flammable, and trying to get a space heater of any kind was a bad idea. Well, an even worse idea was using our gas stove for a heater, but when you've got two young children in the house and the temperature is below freezing, you have to do something for warmth. Right. So we would have to fire up the stove, but we had no other options. It was a bad place to be in. The, the floor of the mobile home was really an upside-down V. The two sides were hanging. It was just a bad spot for us. I was thrilled because I was a pastor. I didn't pay attention to the condition of the home. And she wasn't, again, complaining about it, but she knew it was not safe for our kids. So when we're in this trip after church that night, she says to me, I want to tell you what I asked God for. And I said, okay. She said, well, you know, this trailer we're living in is just, it's not safe for our kids. We really need someplace better to live in. And so she said, I asked God for a better mobile home. And I said, well, honey, God can do that. You know, my faith's high. I just preach this message. I'm right. God can do that. That's not a problem. She said, and, and then you said that he could do above what we ask or think. And so she said, I said, well, God, you could make it a brand new one. And I, this is, this is true. I sat there for a few seconds and I said, God can do that. And she said, and then you said that he could do abundantly above what we ask or think. She said, so I said, well, God, you could just make it a double wide. And I sat there a little longer this time. And I said, um, well, God can do that. She said, and then you said that he could do exceeding abundantly above whatever we ask or think. And I said, God, forget this mobile home. I want a house. I said, honey, <laughs> faith is one thing. It takes money to buy a house. <laughs> I said, there's closing costs and there's points and there's down payments. And yes, I was a pastor, but we were running in the twenties and I wasn't working a job. I was, we were barely getting by living in a borrowed mobile home. My, my. And I said, it, it takes money to buy a house and we don't have any money. And she looked at me very sternly, and she said, you said God could do exceeding abundantly above whatever we ask or think. Well, at that point, I wasn't arguing with her. Right. I was arguing with me and arguing with the word of God. And so there was nothing more to be said about it. It's just the way it was. Two weeks to the day of me preaching that message, my phone rang and this voice on the other end of the line said, Mr. Riggin, I'm from so-and-so insurance company. 
She said, you all were involved in an auto accident several months ago, and we've never closed this account out, and we've got some things that we need to settle up. She said, I'll be calling you back shortly to try to settle all of this. I said, okay. So I hung up the phone and I thought, what does that mean? Again, I'm 24 years old. I'm fresh out of college. So we had a lady in our church who was an insurance agent, not with this same company, but she was an agent. So I called her and, and I said, sister, what, what do they mean? They're, they're calling me that we've had this wreck and they're calling me to settle. She said, well, I'll tell you what they mean. There's things that never got paid for, and they're going to want you to pay for them. You're going to have to come up with some money. And I said, oh, okay. And so I hung up, and I'm telling my wife, and I said, I don't know. We don't have any money. I don't know what they're going to want, but we don't have anything to give them. I don't know how much they're going to expect out of this. And I mean, my mind is swimming. Sure. And so they call back and they said, Mr. Riggin, we really want to get this account closed. And we're prepared right now to offer you a check in the amount of $1,300. Well, you know, I found out later that was their starting price. I could have negotiated. I could have fought with them. But put yourself in my place, 24 years old. I've got no money. I'm thinking they want me to pay. And they say, we're going to send you a $1,300 check. I said, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what else to do. You know, I I didn't know how else to answer. I said, oh, wonderful. Yes, we accept. You accept? Yes, I accept. So it was a done deal. We got $1,300 coming in the mail. Oh, my word. And, And I was excited. And so I told her the next day, I said, honey, it's time. We're going shopping for a mobile home. And we did. And we went day after day, week after week. We went to every mobile home dealer within probably a 50-mile radius, maybe more. They got tired of seeing me because some of them I went back to two and three times. We would go on tour. We'd find but it just never was right. There was something that just didn't fit. And one day, after a day of shopping for mobile homes, we're driving home. Again, unsuccessful. Driving home. Pull into the to town and as i'm driving back to where our our mobile home was parked on the parking lot of the church so i was headed back to church and home and and as i'm driving i just on a whim looked down a side street and there was this handmade sign in the front yard of this little white frame house for sale and i said what's it gonna hurt So we made a turn and there was somebody pulling out of the driveway. And so we parked the car. The lady stopped and got out. She said, can I help you? I said, well, do you own this house? She said, yeah. I said, have you sold it? She said, no. She said, we're desperate to sell it. She said, in fact, she said, we've already bought another house. We're making two house payments now and we, we just can't keep doing it. And she said, we finally found a friend who said he would rent it from us just to make that other payment. So we just can't get rid of it. And she said, would you like to see it? And I said, yeah, we'll take a look at it. She took us through it and it was a nice house. It was nothing fancy. Like I said, it was a little frame house. 
it had had a one-car garage, and they'd closed that in and made it a little sunken den with a vaulted ceiling, uh, two bedrooms, I think, one bath. It was a nice little place. And, and I said, well, how much do you want for it? And she said, honestly, I don't know anything about the finances. She said, you'd have to talk to my husband. She said, but it just so happens he works shift work. It just so happens he's home right now. And so if you want to follow me back to our house, he's there and you can talk to him about it. So I said, well, let's go. Again, I'm thinking, what can it hurt? So we drive out there. We get to the house. We go in, introduce ourselves. I explain who I am and, you know, we talk. He starts through the same story. He said, preacher, I am absolutely desperate. We've got to get rid of this house. He said, I need $26,000 out of this house. He said, now, I'll tell you, he said, I just heard today on the radio that they have a brand new program they're offering for first-time homeowners. He said, have you ever owned a house? I said, no, never. He said, well, then you would qualify. He said, first-time homeowners, the government's offering a very special deal right now, only 5% down, and, and uh, that's all that the banks will require. And he said, I tell you what, I'm desperate enough I'll take care of any other costs. He said, if you can come up with $1,300, you can buy this house. Come on now. <laughs> That's a true story. And we bought the house with $1,300 that God had given us. Wow. Because my wife believed what I had preached, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above whatever you yes, can sir. ask or think. And let me tell you what he did. That was in the mid 1980s. I became pastor of that church in June, I think of 1984. So the mid 80s, this took place. But what God did in 1984, 1985, his greatness has just continued to exceed right. to the year 2022. <laughs> We're nearly 40 years beyond that greatness. And all of this time, his greatness has been exceeding. It's just gotten better My. and better and better. That's why he's the king of kings. That's why he's the Lord of lords. That's why he's the God of gods. Because not only is there no limit, but the limits keep expanding. Right. And he just keeps getting greater. And greater and greater. Wow. That's awesome. And you had a question, Brother Hilton? I had a couple of questions. You were, as you were talking, I think it's easy for us as Christians, believers, um, to believe that God is great. You know, we believe that, well, amen. But when it comes to believing for our situation, for our circumstance, um, it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot more faith than just believing in general and the abstract that God is indeed great. And we, you, when you just made reference to it at church the other day, the church rallied and there was such a response as revelation came to the building as God revealed his exceeding greatness. But I think if we could 
apply this to our lives in a way that uh, beyond just beyond just the fact that God is great, He could speak into any situation, but He could speak into my situation. Not just that He could um, He could give you a thirteen hundred dollar house, but or use your thirteen hundred dollar down payment, and and we can rally behind that. But it becomes something that God can do in my situation. Jesus told the apostles that greater things than these shall ye do. So he makes it personal that you are going to be doing greater things in the end. Let me address this greater works than these shall you do. Because that's not the first time Jesus made an implication like that. That's the one we focus on. All right. That's found in John 14, 12. But if you back up, to John 5 verses 19 and 20 then answered Jesus and said unto them verily verily I say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do for what things soever he doeth these also doeth the son likewise so we understand all this We're talking about humanity and deity right. and the humanity is performing the things that have been shown by the deity residing within him. Then he goes on to say, verse 20, for the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doeth and will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Hmm. So as the son, he says, what you've been seeing me do is what the father has done. I'm showing you what he's done. But he's still showing me there's even greater things hmm. he's going to do my, my. in me as the son. Right. So that's where in John 5, he's already kicked it up a notch, if you please. Right. He's been great. What you've seen is great. It's about to get greater in my life. So you can marvel. Then he comes along. John 14 is the night of his betrayal. So this is the wrap-up. This is his last days in this mortal flesh upon the earth. He's going to Gethsemane that night. He's, he's hours away from Calvary. And he looks at his disciples then and says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. He's already said this about himself and the Father. Yes. Oh, my. Wow. So now he says, those that believe in me, you're going to get to do what you've seen me do. And remember, by this time, he's shown greater things. Right. And he says, now you get to do what you've seen me do. And then he comes along and says, and greater works than these shall he do. So this is, again, God just continuing to exceed himself. He was great. He showed himself greater. He puts it in us. We do what was greater. And he says, now, we're going to carry it even greater than that. Right. So, yeah, it just keeps exceeding. And, it, and obviously, it's not about us or what we can do, but it's God working through us. If, back to the original scripture that kicked this whole conversation off, which was Ephesians 1 and 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
to us word. Absolutely. It's explicitly stating, Paul is explicitly telling the Ephesians that this exceeding great power is given towards you. Yes. Yes. According to the working yes. of his mighty power. Yes. And then when you tie that into Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He says, according to the power that worketh in you. Right. Our glorious God just keeps getting better. What a privilege it is to serve a God that continues to exceed himself. You are invited to join us next week in part three as Bishop Riggin closes out this encouraging series. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week. Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olathetruth.com slash live. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.